of Ecclesiastes chapter 3. I'm going to read out of the New King James Version just because it's easier for me, so forgive me for that. But that old English is a little rough. But as they're, they're getting that on the screen behind me, I want to, want to talk about Ecclesiastes. I looked it up and I, I, I wanted to see what this book of the Bible is all about. And everything I found, it says that this is a big ideas book. It's a, it's a book of the Bible that, that it's, it's not the detailed. It's just the lofty, almost like Aristotle and Socrates. It's the big picture of the world. And, and in a lot of ways, it does big picture talking. And so uh, tonight, in some ways, I want to talk big picture. But in some ways, I want to bring it very, very personal. So Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1 through 8, it says this. To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven, a time to be born. A time to die, a time to plant, and a time to pluck up what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down, a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to gain and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to sow. A time to keep silent and a time to speak, a time to love, and a time to hate, a time of war, and a time of peace. Tonight, I want to talk about time. And to, to put a, a title to this message, it's going to simply be titled, A Thousand Marvels. Would you pray with me? Lord, I thank you tonight. God, I thank you for what I feel in this place. Lord, I know your presence is all over me, God. I pray that you would anoint me from head to toe, God. I pray that your spirit flows throughout this building, God. I thank you, Lord, for what you've started in this, God. I thank you for revival that's in our church. Lord, a revival that's in our city, God. We pray your will be done every way, Lord, tonight. I thank you, Lord, for what you've given me, God. I pray, Lord, for clarity of speech and clarity of mind tonight, Lord. I pray your word truly pierces us, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I want to tell the story of a thousand marbles that goes something like this. There was a man on a local radio station every Saturday, and on the station he kept referring to a person in his audience as Tom. He told how sad he was that Tom, every Saturday, Tom, you have to work, and and you have to do 60 and 70 hours a week just to make ends meet. You, you miss so much family time and so on. And he began to almost get on to Tom about his life. And so he told Tom, there's this one thing that helps me keep good perspective on my priorities. And he began to explain the theory of a thousand marbles. And he said, you see, I sat down one day and did a little arithmetic. The average person lives about 75 years, you know, more or less. Some live, but on the average... 75 years is how many years I've got. Now, I'm 55 when I, when I figured this out, and so uh, I came up with the fact that there are about 3,900 Saturdays in life. And Tom, I began to do the simple math, and now stick with me, but I have about 1,000 Saturdays left. So when I realized this, I went to the toy store. I bought every single marble they had up. And I visited three toy stores gathering a thousand marbles, and I took them home and put them inside a large clear glass container right here in my workshop next to the radio. Every Saturday since then, I have taken out one marble and thrown it away. I found that by watching the marbles diminish, I focus more on the really important things in life. There is nothing like watching your time here on earth run out and to get help and to help get your priorities straight. 
Now let me tell you this one thing before I sign off, Tom, and take my lovely wife out to breakfast. This morning I took the very last marble out of the container, and I figured if I make it until next Saturday, God has blessed me with a little extra time to be with my loved ones. I'm not the type of preacher yet that can go from verse to verse to verse, so you'll have to excuse me tonight. My pastor has given me permission to be myself and to preach from my heart. So I want to tell you, you have no idea. You have no idea the passion that burns inside of me when I think about these stories. And I promise, even last night, I had my message on a completely different track, and God began to confirm that this is what I should bring tonight. It's, that's a story that I've taught several times to several different groups, and, and I want to show you how God has confirmed that just today, a few hours ago, God hit me with a confirmation from a young man. It's a young person I used to use, youth pastor. His name was Nick, and I'll never forget Nick would come to class, and Nick used to wear these flat build hats, and he'd come and bring his brother, and they were all thuggish, and uh, just normal white kids. They, they were nothing special about them, but they thought they were something special. And, 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 and Nick would always bring his younger brother, Zach, and they'd always meet up with John. They'd sit in the back. They'd come late, and they'd always leave early. Sometimes you'd get questions, but most of the time they just sat there stoic. And that's who I ran into today. And I'll never forget, years later, I, I taught them and preached to them prayer and and the word of God and salvation. And we've been over uh, so many topics about staying true to God and staying close to God. And Nick always chose his own path. I found out years later he would always come in and have tobacco in his mouth. I had no idea. I preach in, in, in just a normal youth room. And there are two people at least, if not their younger brother included, sitting there with tobacco. Just chewing it, spitting it. 14 years age. It, there's nothing right about underage youth like that. Amen? And that's who they were. And so when I saw him today, I said, Nick, how are you, man? It's so good to see you. And, and he said, I'm doing all right. And, and, he, and he still was, uh, you know, addicted to nicotine and all that stuff. But, but when I looked in Nick's eyes, I saw emptiness. Beyond habits or whatever, I saw the fact that he had left God. I know that his, he had just gotten married. They moved into a house in West Lafayette. And he said, I'm just picking up a, a few extra feet of fence just to close off the backyard, and I just, it, it, something just stuck in me. Nick had potential. Nick had potential. His mom called me one night and said, Brandon, I need your help. Are you really good at math? And I said, yes, I, I, I know how to work my way around a calculator, and I can figure a lot of things out. So yes, I, I can help. What do you need? She said, if Nick doesn't get some tutoring over the next month, he won't graduate high school. He'll fail out. And he's in Algebra 2, and I said, great, I haven't seen that in 14 years, so let's give it a shot. And all of a sudden, the word ratios come back up in your life, and you're like, where was this stuff at, and why? Why, oh why, does Algebra 2 exist? And I'll never forget, around this time, for the next month, I sat in my basement with Nick, investing everything I could, trying to keep every bit of positivity about me about, man, I love you, I'm here for you. And we worked through ratios. He graduated. I had a big part in that. Just to be a little bit on the, I, I took care of that business. But Nick, even though he's cool, even though he's still a friend of mine and I can still be uh, an acquaintance or whatever, I can still be uh, real with him, Nick chose his own life. You see, it doesn't matter what your youth pastor does. Sometimes it's not up to me to save people, like all the time. It's not up to me to keep close 
for you to God. It has to come from you, God. It has to come from good families and good parents. You know God took 4,000 years to talk about families and only 2,000 to talk about the church. Families matter in our world and in our church. Family core values. You, you kids, if you think your parents are buddy buddies and they're not, we're listening to your parents matter. And you need to respect your parents and honor your parents. And so Nick was a confirmation. And last night when we were in Kokomo, I had the opportunity to uh, speak a few years ago along with another couple youth pastors at a youth rally. And, and the new youth pastor there in Kokomo came up and he goes, hey, man. And I, I've, I've talked to him a few times, so I, I know him and I know all, you know uh, enough about him to know where he's at and all that stuff. And he said, do you remember that message? Do you remember about the marbles? And I said, yeah, I remember about that. He said, I've still got young people that carry this. I still have young people three years later that see the need to hold a little infant marble. I promise I'm going somewhere tonight. I had a different, a different outlook altogether, and God's tying all of it together in, in the way He's revealed it to me. But I have a simple story. I've got a simple, uh, just a. It's nothing long. It's nothing great. But I want you to realize that we don't have a lot of time in life. Life is short. We aren't guaranteed tomorrow. The verses of the Bible I could quote, repeat, and that you protect your mind, that you don't walk away from God. He's no respecter of persons. So he can blow the trumpet truly for anyone in this house tonight. Doesn't matter who you are, how great you are, or if you say, well, I'm giving the world a try. God can call your number at any time. And that's where we're at tonight. We're going to talk about something that is near and dear to me. It's not something of sorrow, so if you hear uh, a weakness in my voice, I promise you it's, it's, it's another emotion than, than sadness. But it was a young man that came over to my house about four years ago, right at this time. It was the beginning of May at the end of August, and he came over and he was so excited. It was the first time in his life he had a real job, and, and he was going to be able to get his mother something special for Mother's Day. And he, he just came over, he's like, man... I've got money for the first time I'm going to have the opportunity to buy my mom something special. I'm excited. I, I'm a real man. I get to do this for God and, and, and for her. And he had such excitement about it. And he just shared it with us. I had no idea that that night would be something that just a few weeks later would be something so very different. You see, he worked on a road crew. He used to be a sign holder and he flipped signs and from stop and slow, and they'd work some long, crazy hours, and his name is Chase. And he and a co-worker whose name was Brett, and, and again, both these guys in our youth group, both, both talented and, and, and awesome young men, when they would travel together, Brett would always just get in the passenger seat, buckle up, and pass out. And so here's Chase, with every bit of tiredness, every bit of life he could muster up, driving down the road down US 52, and Chase has nothing left in him energy-wise, and begins to doze off, and begins to close his eyes, and, and Brett just happens to look up. He noticed the truck's doing some weird stuff. He goes, Chase, wake up, and Chase just overcorrects. I don't know where the truck begins to spin, and, and all of a sudden, they're just stopped in a ditch. Brett says he remembers coming to. He got out of the truck. He unstrapped his seatbelt, and he saw Chase ejected. Chase didn't buckle up that day, and this isn't a story about buckling your seatbelt. But he walked over, and there was a man already starting CPR, and he goes, hey, Hey, come here, hold his head. Hold his head and try to stop the blood and keep it together. And Chase began to just bleed out right there on the side of the road. And 
They call Lifeline, and, and, and the process begins to start to get him back to a stable uh, condition. I was working on the job at that point. All of you know Chad, and Chad is his brother. And I, I got the call from Sister Marshall, the mom, and, and she said, you've got to get a hold of Chad. I can't get a hold of him. I'll never forget calling up Rick, who was working with him. I said, Rick, man, i got to talk to Chad. Something bad happened. Will you get your tools, and we need to find a place to meet. i got to get Chad home, and i got to get him to where he can be with family. And, and we began to transfer him back to Lafayette and, 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 and get my wife in the car, and we began to travel down to Indianapolis, down 65. And it took about 10 minutes where truly... We were stunned. We were silent. Nothing moved. Nothing happened. And I just spoke with whatever was left. I said, we're going to pray right now. We're going to pray. There can't be nothing. From an hour away, what do I have but God? What do I have but prayer? Nothing else can matter in life but that, that connection to God. And so we were driving. I said, Chad and my wife, we're going to pray. We pray for peace. We pray for protection. We pray that God would just take care of everything, give strength and give life and heal. And he did all that, just not the way we thought. I'll never forget, the phone calls began to cease as we got closer. And again, you'll have to forgive me. I, I, I'm just going to be me tonight. Is that all right? And as we got closer, the phone stopped, and I thought, man, something in the pit of my stomach, this is not good. There's nothing good here. We pulled up, and I let them out, and I went and parked the car. And as soon as we walk into this special waiting room for family of major trauma, they, they came out and announced Chase has left this world. Chase is gone. Our world came crashing down. You see, Chase was a talented man. Guitar, piano, singing like you would not believe. Off the charts talent. Was going to be something special. Not that he wasn't human or didn't have faults, but Chase had potential. And Chase's life was snuffed out. And the devil thought he won snuffing out Chase. And so we went to the viewing. Everyone filed in. Hundreds of people walked down Calvary Tabernacles. Uh, long aisle way, and I walked and waited in line, and we paid our respects. And I remember going back and just sitting down about halfway back, just stunned, just in disbelief. This is this is my young person. What am I doing here with my young person lying in that box? And all of a sudden, everything was done, and and Chad's friends and some of Chase's friends were just sitting around. And I remember Chad began to whisper. It wasn't loud, but to me, it was like shouting. I got up, I walked up to the second pew, and I sat down. And I, don't, I don't care what anyone thinks, I want to hear what's going to be said. Because Chad's the man I worked on for years. Chase had it together. Chase wanted God, loved God, had a passion for God. There's no question he's on that other shore, waiting and hoping. No question in my mind. But Chad's the one that wasn't close to God at the time. His life went on, and as he began to speak in that, that moment, he began to say, this death will not be in vain. My brother's death, we've got to reach the lost. I've got to see my brother in heaven. I'm going to bring as many people with me to see him on that side. You don't understand. Chad had no desire for God at the time. Chad can memorize and have more Bible bound up inside of him, memorized than I've ever imagined even trying to quote in my life. 
You see, what the devil meant for evil, God meant for good. They thought they snuffed out Chase with talent, but in all actuality, they ignited Chad. All right. I'm glad he's not here tonight because I'm not trying to brag on him. He's still human too. He's still got work to do, and he's still got a long way. But Chad wants to take Bible studies and, and, and Bible quizzing to the country of Kenya. Chad wants to take this stuff overseas. Hallelujah. That's what happened. So my question tonight is what is going to take you in your life to wake up? You can ask Chad. He was asleep spiritually. He kept God at an arm's length. Today is a different day for Chad. There's a servant heart in Chad. There's a submissive heart in Chad. The doors are opening for Chad. There's things that he wants to do, but my question again remains to you and to you young people. What will it take for you to wake up? Chad will be the first one to tell you that there was nothing else in this world that would have woke him up. And when you get to that point and God still wants you, it's a scary place to be. You know why this gets to me so deep? Because I know I have family members that sit on the fringe. I have family that I die so much to see. And I know my mother's prayer. She says, God, whatever it takes, whatever it takes, God, whatever it takes. This is a message about a prodigal son. You guys are still here. But I'm telling you, church, young people, those that are dabbling in your life with sin, with drugs, alcohol, pornography, or sex, you don't realize the things you're giving out in your future. Yes, yes, yes. You know the problem with, with premarital relationships that should only happen in a marriage? Is that when they happen with somebody, you begin to mend and share your soul with them. The Bible says when you're married, the two become one. So when you start doing things of married life, you start to blend yourself with them. And then when that doesn't work out, it's like they've got a piece of you. And all of a sudden, you're changed and you're different. Now, God can restore you. But I'm telling you, stop giving yourself away. Stop letting the world decide who you are. God still restores people. He says in his word, and some of you are wondering, what's this all about tonight? What's the whole thousand marbles thing? I promise I'll come back to that for just a second. The Bible says, if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and heal their land. God is still a healer. God still forgives. No matter what you're wrapped up in, he can restore lost time, lost years. God can give back the things that you thought the devil took forever. God will give you back. So again, back to a thousand marbles. We don't have that. If you think there's a thousand weeks left for you and you're in your 50s, or me in my 30s, maybe I've got 2,000 marbles left. We don't have that kind of time. Let me show you. In the book of Acts, you'll see big outpourings of the Holy Ghost. Some up to 5,000 or whatever the numbers are. But when you look at that, people say, well, in the last days, there'll be this outpouring of the Spirit. There will. And they say the former and the latter reign together. And we wait for that saying there's a big uh, uh, a revival at the end, and, and we're waiting for that. 
Do you realize that every five days they have decided and, and seen in the UPC, every five days we have a Book of Acts experience. 5,000 people every five to six days are added to the church. You think we have time? You think there's still time to mess? Is this too much? Case had 13 marbles left when he heard this message. 13. I preached this one year later at a memorial service for him where we had just lost our second young person to a car wreck. What will it take for us to wake up? God is dying for us to be something more, and we let little sins, little things that we know we should have laid down. We laid them down when we fasted, but it feels like it has come back in, like a rushing just wind and a, and a lion, and it's just a sea. It just engulfed us. We're back to our old ways, worse than ever. At least I am. I find myself uh, giving more, even in, in modesty, and everything I do, I'll give more to TV. I'll give more to just hanging out or, or eating or good times, and I'll find myself dwindling spiritually because I've starved myself in God. As the music comes, I want to read a couple verses, and then, and then I'll be done here. It says, Matthew 6, 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is there, your heart will be. God is calling us to a place of repentance. 
A second line said, visions of rapture now burst in my sight. Fanny wrote 8,000 songs and hymns. Fanny was blind. Fanny was blind. She wrote some great songs. When you look it up, they're songs that I love. And, and this one is right at the top of my list. But I never realized when she said, visions of rapture now burst in my sight. You see, the doctors made a mistake when she was a child. They had tried a procedure on her eyes, causing her to go blind, and she doesn't ever remember having sight because she was just an infant. And two different times they came up and asked her, they said, Fanny, if, if the world were perfect and everything around it was just beautiful, don't you wish you could see? And her answer to that was, if I saw and the world was perfect, I'd be so distracted I wouldn't focus on God. Now, another time, somebody asked, Fanny, don't you wish you had your, your vision, at least at some point in life, don't you wish you could see? And here's the one that just gets me. She said, you know why I'm okay being blind? Because the first thing my eyes are going to lay eyes on is my Savior, Jesus. First thing I'll see is my Savior. God, let that passion rest in me. God, let that passion, but if I never do another thing for you, if, if something tragic happens in my life, if something in my body stops normal life for me, God, I pray that the next thing I see be your eyes. Let it be your face. Let it be you whispering or saying to me, well done, I'm good and faithful servant, well done. eyes closed and as they begin to sing, I want to open up this altar tonight. I know it's Wednesday, but I know God is trying to change us. I know God is trying to get us to a new place in Him, a place of peace and a place of rest. As they sing, won't you come and find a place of rest? If you see a young person or your family, you just want to grab them by the hand and pray with your family. But why don't we seek His throne for just a moment?